You may be seated. This morning our Old Testament reading, reading is coming to us from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Now as we prepare our hearts and minds, may they be open to receiving the word of God this morning. A child is born to us. A son is given to us. And authority will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be vast authority and endless peace for David's throne and for his kingdom, establishing and sustaining it with justice and righteousness, now and forever. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Can I hear it? Amen. Amen. So I'm pretty sure that every family has some version of family folklore. Am I right? There's some stories that have been passed down over and over again. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I can think of a story or two. Well, for my family, one of the classic family stories that always gets told this time of year has to do with my Uncle Bill. This is my dad's brother. Apparently, when they were in high school, their church had a tradition of a live nativity scene. So, one year, my Uncle Bill was serving as one of the shepherds in, in the live nativity scene, and there was another character, one of the wise men, who was, you know, wearing just that bathrobe and probably like a Burger King cardboard crown, uh, representing the wise men. And all of a sudden, that wise man out a cigarette and lit it up and started smoking in the slide of the Well, Mom Bill looked at him and said, oh, that's not appropriate. And so he said, you can't put that out. You can't, you can't do that. And the wise man looked back at my uncle and said, you can't make me. So Mom Bill said, well, yeah, I can. And proceeded to tackle the wise man. <laughs> Supposed to make the 
sauce that they would pour on top of the chocolate sphere that was supposed to melt away the chocolate, revealing inside the creation that they had made. All the while, all the flavors that they chose had to work together because it had to taste good, and that was part of the challenge as well. So this chocolate sphere that they created, it couldn't be so thin that it would fall apart as they were trying to assemble this challenge, but it also couldn't be so thick that when they poured the sauce over, the, the chocolate wouldn't melt away. No one ever got to see their creation. It's pretty complex, right? I, I got nervous just feeling for them. These baking challenges are exactly that. They are meant to challenge these incredible, talented bakers. And they do this primarily by creating difficult conditions under which these bakers must function and operate. They're still asked to, to do their best, even when they don't have the benefit of time or, or making a, a second recipe or doing a ton of research beforehand or the benefit of calling their mamas when they need a little bit of help, which is what I usually tend to do when I'm cooking and, and baking. Conditions affect the outcomes when it comes to baking. Preheating the oven makes a difference. <laughs> Opening the oven before the yeast or whatever has the time to rise can cause the, the cake to deflate and not be plump and nice. Making sure you have the right amount of ingredients. Making sure that you include all the ingredients that you have prepared. Following the steps, the conditions affect and impact the result. As we look around at our real world, not reality TV world, but our lives and what's going on in the world around us, it often seems to me that the conditions are not ideal for peace. Peace is one of those things that I, I think sounds really, really nice, and we want it, we, we long for it, but in reality, we can't even really conceive of what it might look like in certain situations. We don't understand how peace is even possible at times. Certainly, we don't know what it looks like sometimes. And yet, in this season of Advent, we understand that one of the gifts that Jesus gives to us, that Jesus brings to us, is that of peace. In addition to our Isaiah text that I read just a moment ago, there are so many places, especially in the Old Testament, as people are dreaming and thinking of what the Messiah will be and, and bring into the world, where people are imagining uh, what life would look like with a sense of peace. We hear about it because we see their, their longing, we even see prophesying about what this, what this Messiah is going to come and usher in and bring in. And yet, in the midst of that, I really do think that many of these folks from the Old Testament are also longing for their own to be different and to look different. They wanted this peace not just for the things in, in their world that they saw, but they also wanted it for themselves. Here's a couple of other pieces of our Old Testament readings, some of them from Isaiah. 
making proclamations about what this Messiah, who this Messiah will bring, be. Isaiah 52 says he will be the messenger of peace, that there will be no hunger or, or illness. Evil and tyranny will not be able to stand before his leadership. Isaiah 2 paints this big picture of what it would look like for the whole world to worship in unity. How peaceful does that sound? In Ezekiel, there's a note about that weapons of war will be destroyed. They won't be needed. Peace is something that has been deeply desired by people for the whole of human history. People have longed for a dawning of peace. But what they were expecting, what all these prayers and, and prophecies were anticipating, was that this would come in some powerful and, and strong form. They thought maybe it would be a mighty and, and brave warrior type who would wipe away sadness and difficulty and destruction. That it would take down, did you hear that language, that forceful language of take down inequality and divisions? And how does the Messiah show up? This Savior, this Prince of Peace? As a baby. And the birth of a, of a baby to an unwed young girl and a carpenter. In a land far away from where they had family and friends and home, in a barn or stable, vulnerable, weak, talk about some difficult conditions. Our passage today talks about Jesus, this Messiah, being the Prince of Peace, the one who would be Lord of all, coming to establish and sustain peace. I want you to take just a moment and think about what it takes to establish something, especially if you want it to be sustainable, whether or not that be a garden or a new business or government policies or a good retirement fund. Whatever you might want to establish, takes a lot of work, especially if you want it to be sustainable. And often it does require some trial and error, and the conditions really do seem to make a difference about how easy things are going to be or what the success might be. I know that we all know something about worry, anxiety, stressful conditions. We know something about conflict and, and division. We know what it means to have challenge. We know what dis-ease and fear look like and feel like. These seem to be really well established in our world, even sustained in many ways. We don't have to conceptualize because these are realities of, of constant demands and pressures that we often can take on and feel. 
For God to come into the world to establish peace, the conditions just don't seem right. But our God, the God of the unexpected, who chose to come in the form of a baby instead of a mighty warrior, birthed possibility out of what we thought would have been impossible. Turning things upside down, paving the way of peace in the most unexpected manner, even with difficult conditions at hand. Jesus proclaimed these things to the Israelite people, what they longed for. He exemplified for us a way of being together and worshiping together, showing us what love of your neighbor really actually looks like. He healed the sick, raised the dead, turned stones intended for harm into an act of forgiveness. When faced with evil and leaders who were Maybe involved in self-interest. Jesus pointed us to God. And he spoke of love in a variety of different ways. And particularly what it looks like to love someone who is different than you. He took the time to reveal to us and show to us what moments of peace can look like. It was not about the conditions being perfect. In fact, he showed us that that's often when peace is needed the most. When peace has the greatest possibility of of really making a difference. Now, when I say the word peace, I'm sure that you have many things that might come to your mind. Peace is not just about non-violence. Jesus showed us that peace can be about breaking into our brokenness, breaking into the fractured and splintered places of our own lives and that occur in our world, and finding new ways. It's really about peace settling in to the depth of our souls and in our, of our beings. It's about finding room for peace to enter into our lives, into our lives with our families, with our friends, at our work, in our communities. Peace invites us to see things differently, to watch the news differently, maybe. To consider those who maybe have a different situation than us. And to think about what might be going on there, what it might feel like. It invites us to hurt with those who are hurting. And to hope with those who are hoping. To be present. And it doesn't mean that peace will make us understand everything. It's just this little kumbaya moment that can exist. Peace doesn't even invite us 
to try to fix all things, which many of us tend to want to do. But it invites us to be ourselves and to be living incarnations of God's love and peace for the world. And we are called to pursue this peace of God in our lives and for the world around us. Jesus came to establish peace, but we are called to be the ones to sustain it. Sometimes I think we can be really quick to see a situation or look at the conditions of the hand and say, there's no way peace is possible for that situation. There's just, I don't even know what that would look like. There's no way that, that peace can happen there. And there may even be things in your, your own soul, in your own life, that you think, I you just resolve that peace isn't possible in that area. But part of our invitation of Advent is to prepare the way of the Lord. To prepare for peace to be known and real, real in our lives. For us to find a way to usher in peace for ourselves and for others around us. You know, one of the interesting things to me about this great British baking show is that even though these are incredibly talented Bakers, and each challenge is given to a time limit, so they're all a time crunch here. That the first thing that almost all the bakers do is prepare. They pull out pen, paper, or, or their sketch notebook, and they get a sense of, of what they're going to create so that they can follow the bit as they, as they uh, come to different times. Of, of things getting very crazy around them, and, and there's, there's pressure that is happening. Something to turn back to. Christ was born into the world to be our example, to embody God's heart. Jesus' life does not serve as some exact recipe to follow. It's not like first you do this, and then you do this, and next you do this. But to show us God's heart, God's desire for the world and for our lives. What God gives us in the life of Jesus is much more creative than an exact recipe. In fact, there's even room for us to add in what we think might help it taste better. To be creative, to put our own touch on things. To believe that peace is possible for whatever our situation is, whatever the conditions are. The light is here. It's, it's coming. Peace is possible. Peace in our neighborhoods and in our schools and in our homes and in our own souls. Peace that 
fosters the best in people, the best in us. We are the ones who are called to be a part of bringing in and ushering in this sustainable peace of God for the world. To be ones who believe in healing. To be ones who offer comfort. To be ones who pursue reconciliation. To be ones who shine the light of God. To be bearers of God's peace. As God's people, that's all of us in here. We are invited to accept the challenge and to work with the conditions at hand that admittedly are sometimes seen like our ultimate challenge. But believing that we can still function at our best and be creative and imaginative, to be ones who dream and vision and work for a world of peace, even when the conditions don't seem ideal. And there are certainly times, I know that this is true for me, and I imagine it might be a thought that comes to your mind. But when in our own hearts we think, me? Like I can be a part of that? Like you're, God, you're calling me? But we are called to remember, especially in the season of Advent, that God wants the most unusual, eclectic, People to be a part of the birthing in of the Christ child into the world. The Prince of Peace coming into our world that we get to continue to be a part of. We get to be the ones who continue to unfold this peace of God. We do. We're the eclectic maybe unusual candidate and person that gets to be a part of God's story, continuing to break into our world. In a minute, we're going to sing our last hymn, Angels from the Realm of Glory. And as you come into this time, I would invite you to remember that this altar rail is always open, or maybe just in your seat in this time of kind of reflecting and having a moment to be in conversation and attuned to God. Some of the questions that, that, that came into my mind as I was thinking about peace this week is, what do I need to do in this season of preparation to prepare to receive the peace of God? What would it look like for my life to have God as Prince of Peace? What would it look like for us to envision and dream of peace in the world? What difference does peace bring to us? So I invite you to, to stand. And let us sing together and close our worship by singing angels from the realm of the